And I feel a spirit of victory, revival here today. There's no telling what God's going to do. There's no telling what God's about to do here today. I'm going to the book of Jeremiah, verse 29. I think that's where I'm going. Is that where I'm going, Brother Sam? Hallelujah. If you follow me on social media, you already know what I'm going to preach because I told you what I was going to preach. Book of Jeremiah, verse 4. We're going to read through verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Hallelujah. Bible says, This is the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel. This is what he says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Now that's not for everybody in the room, by the way. The married folk need to stay married. But then the ones that are getting married and are young, you need to have children. Some of us are done. We passed the baton a long time ago, but some of y'all need to have some children. Then find spouses for them so that you can have many grandchildren. Now, there's a lot of people in the room that say amen to that one right there. (laughs) Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. If I had to title the sermon today, I'd title it with one word, and it's simply this, prosper. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you've done, for what you're going to do in this house today. Speak through me for the edification of the saints. Give us a word that's a sure word of prophecy that we can build upon this week. I ask that you would confirm your word with signs, miracles, and wonders. That when we go home, we'll say, surely, we've been in the presence of Almighty God. And I declare it so in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you are well aware, and I don't have to tell you, we stand in a divided nation today. And I'm going to give you the disclaimer now. I did not come to preach and talk about presidential elections so you can take a deep breath right now and be like, because I thought that's where he's about to go right now. We stand in a divided nation. And we are fatigued. We're tired. Some of us are riled up. Some are tired. But for the most part, people are tired about talking about the same old thing day after day after day. And the last thing I wanted to do, and I think any preacher wanted to do, was have to come into church today and talk about anything going on in the world today. And I don't want to focus on elections and courts and all of that that's going on. But I do think that we need to speak a word to the season that we're in. And we need to speak a word to ourselves and remind ourselves how we as the body of Christ respond to the moment. Because it's imperative that we respond Correctly, We have a moment right now to show the world the power of the kingdom of God and we have to respond correctly. 
It begs the question. We have to ask ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that there is a way that we respond whether things go our way or don't go our way. Whether we win or whether we lose, we have a way that we respond. There's a right way and a wrong way. And we know what we can expect. This Bible is a book of answers that tells us, it gives us the answer for every situation, every trial, every sickness, everything I go. This word has already told me what I am to do. And so when we go to the book of Revelations chapter one, it says that he, speaking of God, has made us both kings and priests and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now that's important to open this sermon because as long as I have been alive, I have heard God addressed as the king of kings. And I have heard it interpreted as if he is the king over all the kings of the earth and the prime ministers and the presidents and the rulers and the ki- and the queens. And that that is surely one interpretation. But today, when I talk about him being the king of kings, I'm not talking about him being the king over the Obamas and the Bidens and the Trumps and the Clintons and the Carters and the Reagan. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about where you and I fit into that equation because revelation says that he has made you and I kings and priests. You and I are royalty. You and I are part of the king's court. And so when it says that he is the king of kings, he's actually talking about you and I. We have been assigned to this earth as royalty. We have been assigned to this earth as kings and ambassadors and as priests. And he is the king of kings. But if we are part of a royal family, if we are really the kin to a king, if we are really the king and he is the king of kings, then you and I need to start acting like kings. We need to start acting like royalty. We need to start decreeing like we're a part of that royal family. We need to start acting like we have royal blood on the inside of us. So let's establish why we are part of the royalty. We're part of the royalty today because we have royal blood on the inside of us. It's not that we chose the kingdom. The king chose us and through the power of the blood of Jesus we've now made we've now been made joint heirs with Christ to the promises of God the Father and everything that belongs to the Father now belongs to me all the gold and the silver all of the blessings all of the benefits all of the promises now belong to to me. And because we are heirs to the kingdom, I'm heirs to those, to those benefits and those promises. So when I get sick, I am in, I am an heir to kingdom health. When I am in need financially, I am an heir to kingdom wealth. When I feel like I'm in defeat, I'm an heir to kingdom victory because I am a part of the royal family. Now, do you think, and I'm not a big student of, of, of the British royal family. I don't sit around watching all those Netflix documentaries that some of y'all watch. But do you think that Will and Kate, Harry and Meghan, do you, ever, do you think that they ever sit around worrying, we might lose our royalty? I was in London with Gina a few years ago. And we were going by Buckingham Palace. And she has some friends that travel around the world and I don't 
remember their names exactly. And, but they travel and they have houses in different places that they go. And so we're driving by Buckingham Palace. <laughs> and there's, an, there's some apartment complexes, not too, I mean, like within a block. And she said, that's where Will and Kate live. And I said, oh, um, your friends from New York? Because I, I didn't know she was at first name basis with the royal family. She's like, no, the prince and the princess. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that you were, it was just Gina, Will, and Kate. Some of y'all feel like you're a part of the family. Like you're waiting for the Thanksgiving invite and forgot why they don't have Thanksgiving. Anyhow, do you think Will and Kate sit on the inside of their fortified apartments? Do you think they sit in there worried that they're going to lose their royalty because of what's happening outside of the kingdom walls? Do you think the queen ever frets? They're going to take my, something happening outside there is going to affect what I'm doing inside of here. No, because when you're royalty, when you're part of the royal family, nothing out there affects what's happening inside the walls, inside the palace, inside the kingdom, your royalty until you die. You are royalty. Now let me speak to the royal court of heaven that's here today. Do you really think that anything happening out there can affect us inside here? I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus of Nazareth for it is written no weapon formed against us can prosper because I'm royalty I'm kingdom I'm favored and I'm blessed not because of what I've done but 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 because of what he has done for me so whether they like it or not we're kingdom and there are things that happen out there that don't affect us in the kingdom here inside of the kingdom if you are sick it is written by his stripes you are healed in the kingdom if you ever have lack or need of anything it is written he will supply your every need according to his riches in glory it doesn't matter what happens out there in the kingdom it says he'll give he'll turn your mourning into dancing and your sorrow into joy in the kingdom, we operate under different rules. In the kingdom, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed coming in, and we're blessed going out. In the kingdom, we don't look to Washington for hope, we lift our eyes to the hill from whence cometh our hope. In the kingdom, we don't let their strife affect what we do here, we make this kingdom affect them out there. You say, but you say, but brother Tony, I hear you, but I live here. So your sermon is good for Sunday, but how does it apply to Monday? I'm glad you asked me. Bible says you're an ambassador. An ambassador can live in a different country, but their plates belong to another country. An ambassador can live in this nation, but he's still subject to the rules of the nation that sent him. An ambassador can live in the middle of war, but when you get on the embassy, the embassy isn't subject to what's happening outside of the walls of the embassy. The embassy is subject to the nation that sent it, and the Bible says you are an ambassador from heaven. So I know I'm hanging out here, but I adhere to the rule of heaven. I adhere to the blessing of heaven. I know I live here, but heaven says I'm blessed, I'm prosperous, I'm favored, I'm healed. 
I'm whole, I'm wealthy, I'm prosperous. I I belong to another kingdom and I got to act like it. One of my favorite preachers growing up was the late presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop G.E. Patterson. One of my favorite Sunday morning preachers. And one of my favorite sayings that he came up with, and, and you've heard me quote it before, he said, salvation is free, but it ain't cheap. Salvation is the free gift of the Father. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't bid on it like it's an eBay auction. It is the free gift of God. But it ain't cheap. There's a cost to following Christ. There's loss that will come. There's attacks that will come. There's decisions one has to make. If you're going to follow Christ, there's some relationships that have to die. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're going to follow Christ, there's going to be some things in your culture that have to die. I'm talking about your inner culture. There's some things about you that have to die because now it's not you that liveth, but Christ that liveth on the inside of us. There is a price to following God. There is some stuff you have to give up. You got to align more with God than you do anything of this world. We, we, we align and associate ourselves too much with temporal things that mean nothing in eternity. We need to remember it's eternity that counts. I don't want to be known simply for what I did in a momentary moment, but I need to be known by what I stood for in eternity. And so serving Christ, there will be a price to pay. Habits and relationships, desires. Yet even when we pay a price... We win. I'm talking to you about kingdom culture today. Even when you lose, you win. Even when you give something up, you gain. Because it is written, all things are passed away. But behold, all things become new. God will take an old situation and put a new blessing on it. You'll sacrifice something on the altar and God says, I'll give you something better than what you placed on the altar. The first. That, that's kingdom culture. We don't lose in this kingdom. We win. We gain. We prosper. We're blessed. That's kingdom culture. We go through healing. or We go through sickness, yes, but we experience healing. We go through journeys, but we experience a God that makes a way where there, where there was no way. Our, we, we got problems too, but our problems turn into testimonies of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hell rises up against us like it rises up against everybody. But when hell raises up against us, the Lord raises up a standard against the forces of hell and shows and reminds hell that greater is he that is in them than he that's in the world. Will we pay a price? Yes, but we walk away blessed because we're favored to prosper because we're kingdom we don't let that outside affect us inside that there can be wars and rumors of war yet we have peace because we're kingdom there can be recessions and fear about money but we don't fret any of that because we're kingdom we know in whom we have believed wall street does not control our money the federal reserve does not control our money a man does not control our money Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. He controls our wealth. A system does not control our joy. 
Some of y'all haven't smiled since Tuesday. Some of y'all haven't slept since Tuesday. You got to shake that off. You can't let systems of this world determine whether you get a good night's rest. You can't let the systems of the world decide whether you have joy and happiness. I refuse to let this world deter my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've chosen I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy because I'm in the kingdom and nothing outside of the kingdom can affect what happens in this kingdom. In the kingdom, we're blessed. We're favored to prosper. I'm sitting in a room right now with about 2,000 wealthy, prosperous, healthy, joyful people of God. Oh, yes, we prosper. I, you know, that, that word prosperity gets, you know, for some people it's toxic because they think prosperity has everything to, it's all about money. Oh, no, 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 no. It has a little bit to do about money, but it has a lot to do with your entire life. I believe in being prosperous. I want to be prosperous in money. I got five kids at home. I don't, it's not that I want to, I need to be prosperous. But I don't want to just prosper financially. I want to prosper in my health. I want to prosper in joy. I want to prosper in peace. I met with a man a few years ago. And so if you want to be blessed, if you want to be successful, you need to hang out with successful people, blessed people. So even John Maxwell wrote a book a few years ago and he said, the people around you determine what becomes of you. You hang out with depressed folk all the time, you're going to be depressed. You, your marriage can be fine and you hang out with people who've been divorced 72 times and they're all complaining. You walk out complaining about your marriage too. You hang out with people that, 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 are, that, that just think that we need to hunker down and go live in a cave somewhere because the world's coming to an end. You'll be wearing a tin hat soon as well. But I, I, I want to prosper. I want to be successful. So I want to hang out with people that know success. I want to know. I want to hang out with people that have a, a, a realistic, optimistic outcome about what's going on. So a few years ago, I met a man from Atlanta named Bishop Dale Bronner, incredible man of God. Pastors a little twenty-five thousand member church there in Atlanta. Bishop Bronner is blessed, very blessed. Him and his brother, the Bronner brothers. Uh, developed some hair products in the 80s and they did all right. I don't want to say how much all right, but they did multimillionaire all right. They did good. So I want to know what does it take to be blessed? I'm going to talk to you about Abraham next week, I think. I studied Abraham's life a few years ago. Pastor Andrew, I was studying it and I found, I never knew that this thing existed, but there, I was reading an article from a biblical economist. I didn't even know such a thing existed. And he surmises that if you could measure Abraham's wealth in today's money, Abraham was worth three to six billion dollars. So when I read that, I said out loud, no shame, no shame in my game here today. When I read that in 2012, I said out loud, oh God, bless me like Abraham. God spoke back. Do you know what he said? 
Oh, Tony, obey me like Abraham. I said, yes, sir. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Woo. I want to learn to be blessed. So I'm going to hang out with blessed folk. So I was hanging out with Bishop Bronner. And we were talking about prosperity and wealth and success and victory. And he asked me, Tony, how do you measure wealth? And I said, well, I measure it by accumulation, by how much you have. I'm a, I was born in 1980. I'm a child of the 80s and the 90s. To me, wealth is Uncle Scrooge swimming in the money tower. Come on, you ducktail fans. You know what I'm talking about right now. To me, it's Uncle Scrooge doing the backstroke in the money. And he said, see, he said, that's what I told Bishop Bronner. And Bishop Bronner said, Tony, that, see, that's a faulty mentality. It's a faulty mentality to think that accumulation is how you measure wealth. He said, I'll help you today. This changed my perspective. In fact, this changed my finances. This changed my life when he told me this. He said, Tony, wealth is not measured in how much you have. Wealth is measured in how little you need. That's how you measure if you're wealthy. You, You might not have a castle today, but if you have a house. You might not have a house But if you have an apartment, you might not have a Bentley, but if you have a Buick, hallelujah, you might not have, you might not have the Buick, but you got yourself an Uber account. Come on, somebody. It's all about perspective. We are wealthy people in this room tonight because when we really look back over our life and we take inventory of the blessings of God, we all ought to be able to confess today, you know, there's a lot of things I want, but there's few things I really need in my life because my God has supplied my every need according to his riches and glory, proving I am wealthy. I am prosperous. You ought to thank God today. You don't have to work five jobs or three jobs or four jobs. You ought to thank God today for that car that you have or that scooter that you have or that bicycle that you have or that bus that you get on because there's someone that doesn't have what you have, but you have it because you're in the kingdom and you're blessed and you're highly favored and you're kingdom and you're wealthy and you're favored of God. You ought to thank God for your family and thank God for your children. You ought to thank God today that even though every dream hasn't come to pass just yet, your life is living proof that you are the head and not the tail and God favors you. You ought to thank God that you prosper in joy. That while the rest of the world is looking for another pill, you're here rejoicing in the joy of the Lord. You ought to thank God that you're prosperous in peace. While everyone is angry and everyone is fighting, the peace of the Lord covers and blankets the people of God. You ought to thank God that while everyone else is out there cussing and bickering and arguing, we're full of laughter and joy because we know that God is good. We're full of praise. We're full of thanksgiving because we're prosperous in God. We prosper. We're favored to prosper. 
there's favor all over us. Everybody's chasing favor. I'm going to chase favor. I'm going to catch favor. I'm going to get favor one day. In the kingdom, you don't have to chase it. It chases you. In the kingdom, you don't have to chase blessing. Blessing chases you. In the kingdom, it doesn't matter where you go. Blessing goes with you. In the kingdom, you operate like Elijah. And you tell Ahab and Jezebel, it's not going to rain. And there can be a drought in the land. And no one else has access to water. But because your kingdom, God will pick you up, Elijah. And make sure that when you go to a cave, you go to a cave with a babbling brook that brings you water. Because God has a way of favoring his children. When no one else sees it, the children of God will see it. I'm talking to some Elijahs today. Your well isn't going to dry up. Your resource isn't going to leave you because you're in the kingdom and God always blesses the kingdom. Genesis 39 tells us of a man named Joseph who is destined for great things and he knows it. Joseph's curse was he knew it. Our curse is we don't know it. Joseph knew what he had. He knew who he was. And his problem is he told everybody. He told everybody. He went and talked to his brothers. Hey guys, get this. One day y'all are going to bow in front of me. You don't do that. You don't tell that to people. I prophesied in the first service. I'll speak it over you. You don't need to worry about your job. You don't need to worry about your business. You don't need to worry about your company. Because if everyone else in that company decides that they're going to be a devil and not serve the Lord, as long as you serve the Lord, that place is going to prosper in Jesus' name. Because when you show up, the kingdom shows up. Everyone else in your family can decide that they're not going to get along anymore. But when you show up, peace is going to reign because your kingdom. And when you step on the scene, the kingdom blessings arrive with you. Everything changes because you show up. Because you bring the kingdom with you. You bring the blessings of the kingdom with you. You bring the favor of the kingdom with you. Wherever my two feet touch, that place is blessed because the kingdom shows up where I go. But that doesn't mean you tell everybody. You don't walk into the office on Monday and be like, hey, sup? Don't worry about your job. I'm here. You don't do that. You can think it though. You can pray under your breath and walk up and down the corridors of that job and speak in other tongues and declare favor, 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 blessing, blessing, blessing. You can walk by the accountant department and speak money, 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 blessing, 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 no delay on paychecks, no delay on contracts, no delay on... And and everything can change because of you. You just don't have to tell everybody. Joseph, he told him, you're going to bow down to me one day. You're going to serve me one day. Can't tell everybody. You do have some haters. You do have some critics. And you have some people that don't understand kingdom yet. Joseph tells him. And he's despised by his brothers. Hated by man. But he's got one thing going for him. He's favored of the father. There's something about being your daddy's favorite. There's something about when your dad favors you. 
smiles at everyone else, but winks at you like, you know, you know you're the favorite. I love you all the same. Hallelujah. It's tough being favored. It's tough being spoiled. It's tough being God's favorite. But there's about 2,000 favorite sons and daughters of God in this room today that can say, look, it's tough. But God blesses me. God prospers me. Every time I turn on the television, they say this is going on and this is going. But I don't get it because I don't see any change in my life because God favors me. How favored is he? His brothers plan on killing him. They're done with him. And they say, we're going to kill him and be done with him. And then as they're plotting his death, they said, nah, I changed my mind. Nah, let's not do that. Let's sell him instead. He's at the brink of death. And then all of a sudden, nah, let's change it. Nah, let's not do that. Let's change our mind. Some of your marriages have received a death sentence from hell. Your businesses, your joy, your salvation, they've received death sentences. But all of a sudden, a demon said, no, nah, let's not do that. No, let's not, let's not go there. Let's, let's not touch them like that. Do you know who their God is? Let's, let's not. Do, they, they serve the God that kicked our tail in the wilderness 6,000 years ago with the Egyptians. That, that, that's the God that parted the Red Sea. That we, let, 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 let's, not, let's not kill that marriage. Let's not, let's not kill their joy. Let's just, let's just sell it. That right there is the sign of the favor of God. Because he should have died. But God doesn't allow hell to cancel. God does not allow hell to cancel what God has already ordained. So now he's sold into slavery. Now you think for a moment, having big dreams, big ideas, and then you're sold into slavery by your own brothers. By the same people that used to say they loved you and they had your back and they've sold you out. Could you imagine how you feel? Brother Joseph has that one thing going for him. That one thing, he's got favor. He has favor. And he's favored to prosper. So they sell him into slavery, but they don't sell him to any old family. They sell him to Potiphar's family. And Potiphar's got a lot of money in his house. And Potiphar has a need in his house. Potiphar needs someone he can rely on and depend on. And all of a sudden, this slave goes from being a vagabond slave to being a member of the personal staff of Potiphar. And oh, by the way, it turns out that Potiphar isn't just connected to other wealthy families, but he's on staff with a man named Pharaoh. And so now Joseph is working for someone that has access to Pharaoh. He's still a slave. He still is hated, but now he lives in a palace like a king. He eats like a king. He talks like a king. He walks like a king. He dresses like a king. He's got bling like a king. Still a slave, but he doesn't look like what he's been through. He's in the house, a slave, but functioning like a king. He's in the house with a horrible past, but now blessed in the moment. 
He's gone from slavery to leadership because of favor. He's gone from nothing to blessing because of favor. And someone says, yeah, but finish the story, Suarez. I will. And then Potiphar's wife comes up. Hey. You be careful with people that say, hey. Doesn't ever end up well for anybody. And she comes and essentially is offering him earthly favor that he's never experienced before. But we find out that he doesn't just have one thing going for him. We know he has favor, but it turns out there's two other things that Joseph has that we didn't know about yet. Joseph has integrity and Joseph has character. And Joseph has purposed in his mind. I'm not going to lose favor with the father to gain favor with man. I'm not going to lose favor with heaven because of what the earth can give me. So you can offer me everything you have, but his favor means more to me than anything this whole world could ever give me. So he rejects Potiphar's wife because he wants favor. Let me tell you today, I don't care what hell tries to offer you. I don't care how hell tries to entice you. If you'll stand in integrity and stand in character, God's favor will always trump man's favor. God's favor will always make a way where there seems to be no way. And so he goes to prison for integrity He goes to prison for having character. He goes to prison because man has rejected him once again. But when you carry favor, it doesn't matter where you put us. When you have favor, it doesn't matter what you walk through. When you have favor, it doesn't matter how many people are against you. When you have favor, you always prosper. You always come out on top and you always walk out with victory. He goes to prison. And in prison... He exemplifies this sermon because he ends up interpreting dreams in prison, proving what the Bible says, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Here he is in a hard place, yet people are seeking him out. It's got to be difficult every now and then to be you. It's got to be difficult for you to be going through family strife, but people are coming and asking you, what do I do with my marriage? What do I do with my family? It's, sometimes it's got to be difficult to be the people of God because we can be going through stuff, but yet people are attracted to us for answers. And you must, sometimes you got to ask yourself, why is it? I could be going through this, this, and this, yet everybody keeps bugging me for an answer. It's because they see the favor on you that you don't see. They see the favor on you that you don't see. They see there's something different about you. They see there's blessing on you. Even though you don't see it, they see the kingdom that's on the inside of you. They see there's something different about you. That's the blessing of being kingdom. I was growing up in our church in Chicago. We, you know, all of us had technical difficulties and a few of us left the church and backslid and did different stuff. And, you know, my mother was a church mother. She was a mother to everybody, all of those kids that were in the church. And I remember one girl in particular that had left and had gone astray and, and, you know, then, you know, 
got in the world and then she came home and she came back to church. And I remember my mother asking her, what was it that brought you back? And that girl said, Sister Ann, it's that when I was out there in the world and I was falling into sin and I was giving into temptation, every time I'd try to sin, she said, I'd hear your voice in Sunday school. I'd hear your voice saying, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. She said, every time I tried to walk away, I'd hear your, Ooh, I just felt the anointing come on me right now. She said, I'd hear your voice and I'd feel the presence of God. And something was drawing me home. Something was drawing me home. Another one of my friends had gotten into gangs and had really messed up his life. And he came and he got right with God. And my mother asked him, what was it that brought you back? He said, sister Han, I would be in the middle of a fight. I'd be middle of, of, of my life being in danger. And she, and he said, but in the middle of the fight, I could hear your voice saying, I plead the blood over so-and-so I plead the blood over so-and-so. And I recognize the reason I survived the fight wasn't because of the members of my gang, but it was the blood of Jesus that had covered me and protected me. And he said, that's why I came home. I'm talking to some kingdom families here today. Baby, your children aren't serving the Lord, but they got kingdom on the inside of them. They got kingdom over them and the kingdom is going to bring them home. Joseph, Colin, Zach, run up here really quick. Joseph is in prison. Doesn't look like he has any favor. Oh my God, if that's how they run, you got to see how they walk. Run. Yeah, you look like a prisoner right now. My God, shoe game. Did we rent those? My God. You embarrassed yet? Okay. Joseph sitting in prison. Just three old prisoners. At least that's what it seems like. Three old people with a lot of regrets and a lot of laments. Three people that life has done them wrong. Three people that have done life wrong. But then Joseph doesn't realize who he's sitting by. This is Pharaoh's baker and this is Pharaoh's butler. Because even in captivity, God has a way of positioning you by people that can change your life. God has a way of positioning you by people that could be the key to unlock the next door of prosperity and blessing in your life. He's interpreting dreams, not knowing that one day these guys are going to be the key to him leaving the palace, leaving the prison and on their way to the palace. You don't know. Hey, Uber driver, you don't know what CEO God is going to send your way to give him a ride this week that might unlock the next door to your next job. You don't know what person God might not sit you by at the restaurant. So be careful who you cuss out this week. Be careful who you tell off this week. Be careful who you get an attitude with this week because you might be talking to Pharaoh's butler. You might be talking to Pharaoh's baker and you might be one conversation you might be one conversation away from everything changing in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Positioned in captivity but it's about to change because he's favored by God. So don't curse the moment don't curse this moment 
Because this moment is about to unlock what's next. I prophesy over you, you're favored to prosper. I decree over you, you're blessed and highly favored. I declare you're sitting by Pharaoh's baker and butler this week. I declare the next person you talking to after the baker and the butler is Pharaoh himself because you're favored. You're favored. You're favored. You're favored. And everything you touch is blessed because you're favored. Every person you talk to is blessed because you're favored. That job changes this week because you're favored. That marriage changes this week because you're favored. This nation changes this week because we're favored. Someone asked me, are you waiting for the electoral college to make its final decision on December 14th before you decide if this country is blessed? No, I decree and declare this very day, this nation is blessed because I'm here and you're here and the kingdom is here because of us. refuse a recession I refuse more racial strife I refuse more division I declare we prosper now lied about cheated out of a job now he's appointed by Pharaoh look what Pharaoh did the Lord spoke a word to me if there's any water, I'd give somebody $2 if I find some water. If it's club soda, I'll give you two fifty. Hallelujah. Are we sharing? Oh, okay, I was going to say, I, I'd do that waterfall thing if we need to there. Oh, man. What was I talking about? Favor. <laughs> Favor. When you need water, they'll show up with two bottles of water. Hallelujah. Because we're favored. Oh, I remember. That's what rambling will help you remember. The Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, my people will be known by their blessing. They'll be known by their favor. And he spoke it to me. And between you and me, I didn't really understand it. What does that mean? What does it mean? We're going to be known by our blessing. We're going to be known by our favor. And then as I was reading and preparing this morning about Joseph's life, I realized what Pharaoh did to him. After he interpreted dreams for Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, I'm going to appoint you the ruler over all of Egypt. Now, I know that not everybody knows you. I don't even really know you. I don't know everything about your life story, but I'm going to put a ring on your finger. That is a sign and a symbol of authority. And they don't have to know your name. They'll know you by the sign of your authority. They might not know your story, but they'll know you by the sign of your authority. And what that's telling Joseph is, Joseph, you're not going to have to tell everybody about the pit. You're not going to have to tell everybody about the prison. You're not going to have to tell everybody about your brothers. You're not going to have to tell everybody who did you wrong and what went wrong and who lied on you and who cheated. You're not going to have to go through all 50 chapters of your life because when they see the ring, when they see the bling, they're going to say, that man has authority. 
authority. That man is a ruler. And I'm decreeing over the people of God today. God's putting a sign of authority. God's putting a sign of blessing on you. And the demons of hell are going to say, no, don't touch her. Don't touch him. They got authority in the spirit. They got kingdom all over. They're favored to prosper. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, we can go through the worst situations and yet come out on top because of favor. Because in the kingdom, our author doesn't just start the story, he finishes the story. There's this joke in Colombia where my, my, where my family is from about telenovelas, soap operas. They start them and then they run out of money halfway through production and they never finish the story. And they just kind of leave you with cliffhangers. You don't know who's going to leave who to marry who. Because they can't ever finish the story. Thank God. My God isn't like a Colombian soap opera producer. Because when he starts something, he always finishes what he starts. He that began the good work in you will perfect it, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we don't put periods where God intends for there to be commas. We don't say the end where God is saying, just breathe a little bit, baby. Because the best is yet to come. God will make sure that you minister to the right people. God will make sure that you're connected to the right person who's connected to the right person that can bless you. And oh, by the way, the butler didn't bless Joseph. The baker didn't bless Joseph. But it's who they were connected to. You don't know who you're going to sit by today or tomorrow or Thursday that's connected to the brother-in-law of the cousin of whose auntie owns the cookie shop. You don't know who you might talk to this week that might open the next door a blessing that's going to be so great that your children and your children's children are blessed. You don't know what church service you might walk into where you might get the word of the Lord that will bring peace and joy and happiness. You don't know what your favor might cause. He should have had nothing But he walked out with everything because of favor. So I close with this. How do we respond to the times? We respond by showing the world the favor of God. Put that scripture back on the screen that we opened with today. Here is the word of the Lord. This is what God says. He says, build houses and plan to stay. That speaks to security. You will be secure in this season. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Notice it didn't say go buy food. Because this speaks to provision. This speaks to the fact that God has given you supernaturally, a supernatural ability 
wisdom, ingenuity, strategy, and structure so that you don't have to depend on any man to make your money, but you'll have enough wisdom in your mind that you'll be able to plant gardens and eat from the gardens that you planted. What I'm trying to tell you is as Pastor Sam would tell you, Uncle Sam might be your uncle, but he's not your heavenly father. Our source doesn't come from this world. Our source comes from God through us. And then it says, Mary, have children, and then go find them some spouses and have grandchildren. That speaks to legacy. And it says, multiply. Do not dwindle away. Another translation says, do not dwindle, prosper. What do we do in good times? We prosper. What do we do in bad times? We prosper. What do we do in recession? We prosper. What do we do in the great economy? We prosper. What do we do when everyone else is fighting? We prosper. What do we do when everyone else is happy? We prosper. We don't change just because everybody else changes. Because we're kingdom. We prosper. Stand with me in this room for a moment as I come to a close. It's because of favor that the poor can say they're rich and the sick can say they're healed and we can say we're not the head that we're the head and not the tail because of God with us Philippians says I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed because I'm kingdom I always come out on top he says I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have in the past And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. The apostle is facing life and death. Yeah, he's speaking victory. He's speaking kingdom. He says, for me, living means to live for Christ. But dying is even better because then I get to be with Christ. Because when you're in in the kingdom, there is no losing. We win. In the kingdom, we never lose. We win. Falsely accused, but win. Tortured, but we win. Go through hell, but we experience heaven. Because we're kingdom. About nine years ago, just to put my my period on this sermon, if you will. About nine, ten years ago, I went through my transition. I went through a transition in life, transition in ministry. I'd been pastoring a church in Virginia and I felt that I needed to make a change. I walked away from everything I ever knew, not family, but I walked away from systems and things that I, they were, this the only bubble I ever knew. And I walked away out of integrity. And I didn't know what was next. And on a Wednesday, I didn't, so, you know, because I had walked away from the pastorate, I didn't have anywhere to preach that Wednesday, but there's a church in Virginia Beach named the Rock Church, Bishop John and Ann Jimenez. Bishop Ann is 88 years young, and she still travels the world preaching. Wonderful woman of God. You've heard me talk about her before. She's the one that taught me when you see someone get blessed, you don't get jealous, because God doesn't, you know that when you see someone get blessed, two things. Thank you, Jesus. Me too, Lord. Remember I touched that. Bishop Ann taught me that. So Bishop Ann announced 
a special service on a Wednesday night 10 years ago. A guest speaker was coming in and they invited all the local clergy to come. Well, I didn't have anywhere to go and I was kind of hungry and they were doing free food in the green room. So I show up early. I'm going to get my chicken fingers. I walk in the green room and Brother Rashad, I'm the only one there. I got there before everyone else. Sometimes it pays to be early. No one but me and those chicken fingers. Hallelujah. And I'm in the green room. I don't know anybody. I've never been here before. I've never been in this room before. And I'm hanging out. You know who walks in next? Bishop Ann Jimenez. And she walks in. Well, hello. Who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Where did you come from? I'm glad you're here tonight. Tell me about your life. Tell me about what's going on. Now, she and I were alone for about 15 minutes. And other people started walking in the room. Had I been 15 minutes later, I might not have had one-on-one with Bishop Ann. Had I been a little later, I might not have had this conversation. But I was early. Maybe someone in this room needs to hear that. Be early. Anyhow, I'm there talking. Other people are coming in the room. Hey, Bishop. They want her attention. Hey, Bishop. And she said, hi. Because she, she was focused on this conversation. And I'm talking to her and she's talking to me. And we're in this moment. And all these other people come into the room. But she's so focused on this conversation. These people don't matter in the moment. And while we're talking, her assistant comes and says, Bishop, listen. Our preacher can't preach tonight. The plane can't land. There's been a storm and the plane can't land. What do you want to do? And she said, hmm, what did you say your name was? I said, Tony Suarez. She said, Tony Suarez is going to preach tonight. That's favor. That's favor. She could have picked anybody in the room, but I got there early. I got in the conversation. That's favor. I preached that night. The Holy Ghost moved in that service. God was incredible. God raised somebody out of a wheelchair. God moved in a mighty way. And when the service got done, Bishop Ann had already gone to the green room. When I walked in the green room, Bishop Ann was leaning over a tall chair like this. And when I walked in, she said, you. Where did you come from? She said, do you know Sam Rodriguez? I said, no, ma'am, I don't know. She said, well, you're supposed to. That's who you're supposed to be connected to. That's who you're so. You need to meet Sam. She said, I'm going to an event in Philadelphia, and I'm taking you with me. You need to get there because I need to introduce you to Pastor Sam. So three months later, I thought she forgot. There was 35,000 people at the event in Philadelphia. Bishop Ann is on stage. I'm so broke, I can't even buy a cheap ticket in the back. I mean, I'm hanging out outside of the ropes. But like leaning forward for the photo so it still looks like my head is in the... And Bishop sees me. Tony, is that you? Wave. I'm not miss my blessing. She said, come here. I don't have a VIP badge. I don't, I didn't pay a tip. I mean, I don't have anything, but Bishop said, come here. So I'm, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> and when she got done, she took me, she said, come on, it's time. 
She took me backstage. We walked backstage, and who's standing back there? None other than Pastor Sam Rodriguez. She said, Sam, now I don't call him that. He's my pastor. I call him Pastor Sam. I'm just repeating the story as it happened. She said, Sam, this is Tony Suarez, and he's supposed to be connected to you, and you're supposed to be connected to him. So give Tony your phone number. And Sam goes, yeah. She goes, come on, Sam, give him your number right now. He's supposed to be connected to you. And I connected to Pastor Sam. And I started working for Pastor Sam. A year later, Pastor Sam opened the door for me to be on Christian television. Two years later, he took me to Israel and to Jerusalem to meet with government officials. Three years, God opened incredible doors for my life through Pastor Sam. Not because of me, but because of the kingdom that's on the inside of me. I walk in favor because of the kingdom that's on the inside of me. I told you... I. I already told you the story, so I won't bore you with all the the details, but it was eight years ago. Pastor Sam calls me at one in the morning, says, oh, good, you're awake. He says, I got a meeting with President Obama. I can't make it. Can you go? I'm like, yeah, I guess. I walked into the White House and met with President Obama, met with President, uh, Vice President Biden at the time because of Pastor Sam. Because God has a way of connecting and connecting and connecting and connecting to make sure you walk into your destiny. Every good thing that God has done for me the last nine years is because of one connection to one connection to one connection. Ten years ago, Pastor Jerry, a man told me, a man that was mad at me for my decision, he said, you'll never preach outside the United States again. As if man has that kind of authority. I preached in 23 since he cursed me that day. You don't curse what God has favored. You don't curse what God has blessed. Now, I'm not trying to make it about me. I'm just trying to show you that the God of Joseph, the God of Tony, is your God. And he's going to favor you above every word of the critic. He's going to bless you above every word of a curse. He's going to prosper you in the land of the living. And you're going to say, I'm favored. I'm blessed because of the kingdom that's on the inside of me. Give him praise in the house today. of the kingdom it's on the inside of you so in a moment pastor andrew's coming and then i'll come back and pray for you but this week we're walking out as kingdom ambassadors and everywhere i go i'm taking the joy of the lord everywhere i go i'm taking the peace of the holy ghost everywhere i go i'm taking the wealth of the kingdom with me everything i touch is going to be blessed everyone i talk to is going to walk in destiny anything that gets around me is going to feel kingdom because i'm favored to prosper every door is a good door every door is a cot God is with me and God is with you and we prosper in Jesus' mighty name.